Welcome back to a new episode of the Shoot the Show podcast. I'm your host, Mark Montefitado, and today we have the next installment in the new series on the podcast where we're breaking down different uni experiences across both the UK and internationally. So my guest today is one of my good friends, Ishani Angle, who did a master's in business law at Queen Mary's University in London. So in today's episode, we're just going to be discussing what it's like studying law as a master's degree, answering some common questions that international students have on uni in the UK. And to finish on a more lighthearted note, we're also going to be telling some funny stories from our time at university. How are you feeling today, Ishani? Because I just completed my dissertation in my last thesis submission yesterday. So mm-hmm. again, like a normal postgrad uh, law student, I would definitely like to be with my friends and enjoy my last day of you know my uni life because probably this is my last year of studying as well because I don't mm. plan on doing um uh you know further uh, a PhD and things like that so yes one way it feels really sad that you can't really be in and enjoy with your friends but the other way it's a good experience because you just feel that you know you have like a complete degree in hand so yes it's a complete different two different feelings that I have and that I'm feeling actually at the moment <laughs> Um, what would you say was like the highlight of your whole course? I'm sorry? What was the highlight of doing your course? Like, What was the thing you enjoyed the most? Well, I think it was the overall experience because like for me, uh, I mean, I've traveled abroad a lot of times. I've gone to different various places, but there, I haven't gotten an opportunity ever to study abroad as such. So this was literally my first experience of studying in the UK, a place that I actually wanted to go to. So definitely it was like an amazing experience. I had like a very, I had very good students in my class and uh, the teachers were extremely nice. They were very helpful. We had like amazing classes and it, I, I feel it was more of a gaining experience, more of because it was a different uh, system altogether from what you uh, would basically, uh, you know, go through when you are in India because it's more bookish knowledge, where in the UK it was more of application. They followed more like, obviously it wasn't a, PG course, I would have I would have used the word IB course, but right now I mean I can't use the word IB course, but I can like you know say it is similar to that because there's no it's just application, it is no mugging up, it's everything doing by yourself. Teachers are just there as tutors who will only guide you, will not like literally sit and explain the whole thing. So I think overall it was a really nice experience and a good process of you know studying in those auditorium classrooms and with having like a projector in front of you and you know your laptops in front of you, which is very different from what we've done right here because what we've done here is basically more of books mm-hmm. and uh, you know only your assumptions would be like your laptops because you have to work on them. But otherwise, like it, I mean it's a very different experience, especially if you're coming from a complete Indian background of studies. Which do you prefer, the Indian method or the UK method? Well, um, I think in today's generation, in today's world, because I have my cousins who are studying in different universities all over, like in UWC, and I have a cousin who's in Brown, and, you know, the other universities as well. So they say that the method that we follow in India, which is more of a mugging up method, doesn't really help you anywhere. So I would say that all of, all till date, whatever I've studied till myself, and, you know, like even ahead my LLB and everything which was more of mugging up I think it's not really helped me in any way but I would feel this one year of postgrad which I did in the UK which is more of application teaching you how to research teaching you how to do your 10,000 15,000 word dissertations 5,000 words research papers it's really helped you a lot because you will be kept in contact with what is happening in the world today it's not what is in the books which has happened for years it's more of 
you're concentrating more on you know the 2020 or the 2019 and the scenario right now you're writing on that so i feel yes definitely the uk or the us system would be much better than the india one although india is changing right now for your information you want to change into a different system completely yeah, that's always like the one thing you always hear is that like the UK unis, you you often do have a lot of like independent study, which I'm not sure if you have as much of in India because it's just the the lectures are there sometimes like they just basically just teach it to you and they love when you ask questions, but like all the tutorials that you have to do and go through and all the exams you sit, it's all whether how much you've actually understood the topic. They just kind of teach it to you. They don't really kind of fully explain it. You have to understand it yourself, and if you have any other questions they just expect you to come to like their office hours or something and that's kind of a big thing like did you take advantage of like professors office hours or did you just kind of learn it yourself i think most of the so for like for me like it was a very unfortunate situation that we had to leave our course halfway and come back home and you know do it online so i think yeah. only my first sem till like probably one fourth of my second sem is what i could go and be in the classrooms have like you know teachers you know teach you when the professors be around you so i think uh, i mean firstly in order to like gauge that particular way of teaching took at least like a month or two and by the time you were in it probably i must have had one meeting with a professor for a coffee at starbucks which was right opposite qmul on at next to the hobon station because uh, I was late in my submission and he told me that I needed to add a few things and I didn't really know how to go about it. So he said, why, why should we do it here? You know, like, let's just go out for a cup of coffee or like, you know, grab a beer, like exactly how you'd say in the UK. So we went for a cup of coffee. coffee. And I think that's the only experience that I've had of having uh, been able to speak to a professor outside the university or outside your classroom. Otherwise, it was more of all independent study and it was um, technically very less of uh, communicating with your professor. Or right now, it is all emails and online past few months. So, Did you have any like Zooms with professors? Sorry? Do you have any Zoom meetings with professors? Oh, well, I had a lot of Zoom meet. Actually, so what happened is I, we came back in March and they started their online classes for March. So every day for about three and a half hours, we used to have online classes, which was not on Zoom, but it was on the QMUL portal, the portal of the university as well. So we used to have classes there. And then we used to have dissertation meetings with our guides, which used to be separate, which used to be on Microsoft Teams, which was because I think QMUL had linked with the teams in order to uh, get this thing sorted out. So yes, we had meetings. Sometimes it, it used to not go very well because there were some teachers who were from Italy and stuff who didn't have net issues. So they had a lot of network issues. They used to, sometimes we didn't get any um, mails from um, professors saying that they'll be late. And you know, everyone used to just wait and then they used to turn up. And then after three days, we used to get a mail saying, that, oh, you know, like my net was down or like I was down with the flu or like, you know, various reasons. So I think this whole 2020, it was not even like a proper online learning, but it was a completely different experience with like different things all put up together. So yes, but I've had, yeah, I've had online meetings, but in a very vague way. Yeah, because for me, um, basically, we basically finished like our second semester and then our first semester is always just exams normally. So we didn't actually have any like online lectures at all. We basically just had straight into like online exams and that was it. So I never actually had to do like the weird kind of online lectures, but next semester, the upcoming one, 
it's everything's online basically all our lectures are online so i think what they're just going to do is they're just going to use the lectures from last year the pre-recorded ones and just put them online for us to watch which i think that's exactly be a lot what easier. they did with that's exactly what they did with us as well like all the prep like as in the uh, what do you call it the ppt the powerpoint presentations were all from 2018-19 which was put mm -hmm. for us for now you know for in order for you to like look at it and then study from it and stuff and some of the recorded lectures were already pre-recorded lectures of classes which had already taken place last year so then how did you decide like to study at queen mary specifically because i know you had you were thinking about a couple of different other unis as well yeah, well, actually, um, uh, to be honest, I my first preference was Kings, but I did not get through Kings because of only one reason, saying that I did not have any, uh, you know, like uh, legal aid or like uh, those kind of activities done, which was like basically done for like a non-profit um, uh, NGO uh, internships and things like that, which they actually need very well needed. So then I actually got through Nottingham, which was not my choice, and I got through... Um, Queen Mary, I got through uh, UCL actually, and another two universities. I think City University of London was one of that. But looking at the previous rankings and knowing that QMUL was one of the five universities of you know which did rank rank even for law. I mean basically for law. And uh, I had a friend of mine who was a pass out of QMUL, and plus I had done a course in LSE, which was my uh, summer school course. So I had few who had basically done their law, their um, PG as well as their LLB from QMUL. So I knew a lot more about QMUL than the other universities in the sense, which is not read online, but you know, like uh, life experiences from people, personal experiences from people. So probably that's one of the reasons I had to choose uh, QMUL and also because they offered you about a hundred modules from where you could choose. And just because I did corporate law did not mean I didn't take something else. I could take whatever I wanted. I could take criminal law. I could take arbitration. I could I, I could take sales of goods and, you know, like all that kind of stuff, like commercial law, anything. So we could mix around anything in order to get your degree. It, it, it didn't mean that you had to stick to your own uh, um, uh, master subject. I think that was pretty interesting because not everyone, you know, like just because you're doing business law doesn't mean you like every aspect of business law. You know, you might be liking... You might be doing business but still liking like criminal and you know trying to do criminal law in business because are, i mean law is vast right so yeah that was one of my reasons why i thought i would choose qmul over the other universities more because one reason being i didn't get through kings and second reason being it had a lot of modules to offer and of course it was central london so yes <laughs> that's the yeah, main central, reason <laughs> central london's always a plus about yeah. you know going to uni in london it's definitely a big definitely. plus um what was like a typical semester then for you like obviously you already had like one and a half but what was like your experiences in that one and a half um you mean well i was in the university right yeah so like when you were at uni like how many lectures did you have a week um how many contact hours did you have that kind of stuff yeah um so basically saturday sunday used to be an off so i used to have mm -hmm. classes from monday to friday but that actually depended on what kind of modules you chose because uh, we could choose like, uh, I think 75, 75 credits each. So if there were sub uh, modules which had like 35, 35 credits, you were done with 75 there only. So you did not need a third module. But what I had done is I had like three modules in my SEM 1 and four modules in my SEM 2. So I split it up in such a way that I had more classes. So for me, I literally had one class for four hours every day. So it used to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and 
Thursday and Friday. Plus, we had extra classes on like two days, which were something called as uh, CTWL, which was basically a critical thinking and writing where people who had a language barrier, especially like, you know, Chinese or anyone who can't really speak English that well. So for them, they had these kind of classes or for, you know, like even for me, like when I, I used to have a lot of issues in terms of footnoting and, uh, you know, the Harvard style, the Oscola style and everything. So they used to have extra classes in order for students to prepare themselves in order to write essays and your dissertation. So I think like on two days I had classes for like about five hours, but otherwise it used to be about three and a half to four hours every day. And then it was all, I mean, either you be in the library or you go home and you whatever, study. Um, do you think those like extra classes really helped or they just kind of superfluous or did they actually make a difference? No. I think it actually did help because especially in terms of the dissertation because it actually told you how you're supposed to frame your sentences don't have long sentences try to keep them as short and you know appropriate as possible then about your footnoting how how you lose marks how you like write your bibliography it has to be in alphabetical order and uh, everything to do with your essays right how do you research which are the main sites the uk based sites that you research on and um, you know like all of those kind of things so i think i think it was really helpful especially if you're coming from a background which is yet again like i've seen not ib based or you know something that you're not always into application so for a person like me it was pretty helpful because it gave you a a look through your you know a, a gist of everything like how the whole process goes by and how you need to footnote reference everything it was great did you have to do a dissertation for your undergrad or did you not have to do one there Oh, no, I, I did not have to do a dissertation my undergrad. I just had a lot of research papers and stuff to write, which I did. But dissertation was like a first experience for at least 80% of the students who were in the university. Okay, because I know for like most like the courses in the UK, like for the undergrads, you have a dissertation in your final year. So I have to do one upcoming so next, oh. yeah, so it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, sure. but I think like, I mean, for a QM, QMU World dissertation was basically more of a glorified essay. I wouldn't say it was like a dissertation because we did not have a literature review to write. There was no survey which was included in it because usually dissertations is when you literally, you know, you have a survey, you question people, you take interviews, you write a literature review, you, you know, you basically see an average of how things were last year, prior to that, you know, the upcoming years, your future. So we didn't have to do any of that, basically. They had specifically told us that we do not have to write a literature review and things. So I think it was more of a glorified essay. So it depends on what kind of dissertation you're talking about. So if it is something to do with a, it's it's just a glorified essay, then it's much easier compared to what an actual thesis is, you know, like where you have to put in a lot of effort. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to doing my dissertation. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, so obviously we mentioned you went to Queen Mary's in London. Um, I have a few friends who go there. Um, I think they're a different campus to you. I think they're yes. closest to the East London one. But what would you say was the best thing about the uni? apart from the location yeah i think it was a pretty chill university which uh we didn't have a lot of work to do like to an extent it just felt like okay am i really doing like a postgrad because you didn't have a lot of things to do but in another way they actually made you do a lot of that in the module itself like in the sense you know they had uh like one of the main reasons also that i chose uh, to me well is because um they had something called the entrepreneurship clinic where um 
they chose students and I was one of them who was chosen and I'm still doing work actually for a corporate firm in the UK. So it's basically all online where I have to draft client interviews. I have to take client interviews. I draft their advice letters. I tell them, you know, because all the new entrepreneurs who want to start up, who want to basically a startup company, like technically a startup. So they come to you with like different questions. They'll ask you about your um, shareholders and how to go about their starting of their company. What are the kind of uh, agreements that they have to sign and you know, like all those kind of things. So I think that's one entrepreneurship clinic that only QMUL offers, which is basically not there in most of the other. I think Kings and UCL and stuff does not have this. I'm not very sure about it, but I think they do not have it. QM, uh, Kings do not have it. I'm not sure about UCL. So that was one of my main reasons, also why I chose QMUL and the reason why I feel that I was one of the best part of being in QMUL because you had like a live experience of going to firms. And firms in UK are great. <laughs> um, um, are you allowed to say the name of the firm that you're working for or is that? Just uh, Ropes and Gray. Okay. Um, is that like a law firm or I'm guessing it is? It's, it's basically a corporate firm. So it's basically located in... Um, a, a lane behind Holborn. Okay. Like in the same area, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Holborn's pretty cool. Actually, I like Holborn. There's a lot of cool. Um, did you ever go to the mild Dutch restaurant there? It's like a pancake place in Holborn. It's like two five minutes from Holborn Station. They do like, the best savory and like um, sweet pancakes as well. Amazing. Place. Really. Yeah. You no, know, I still basically walk from there to Covent Garden every time I wanted to, like, you know, go and eat something because, like, it was basically just the opposite lane, and then you walked down from that Nero Cafe, which is right there. So mm. we ended up chilling there, more of chilling, you know, towards because I used to find Hobon very crowded, so I never really felt like going towards that area because any place you went to for lunch, for you know, after your class or like prior to your class, because I had classes sometimes from six o'clock to nine p.m. So, you know, then either prior to that or after that, even if you went out, it's be super crowded because of the station. So we didn't really like enjoy or enjoy being around that area. Chinatown as well is right next to Covent Garden as well, which kind of helps. Yeah. But Chinatown was still further away, right? And Covent Garden was like right there. So it was like much easier yeah. to go there. Or it's like Strand. Strand is also right there where Kings is. So, so then... A kind of another common question that international students have, and I'm sure like a lot of people who go who might be watching this might be interested, is like what the application process was like for you to kind of study in the UK. So could you just like fill everybody in with what that was like from your perspective? Um, well, I would see. So I basically did it. I hired an agent to do it for me so that I had less um, trouble and, you know, the chaos of like going through the whole process. So she was the one who basically told me what all I'm supposed to do. But obviously for the main interview and stuff, I only had to go. So one thing that they really look at is your IELTS results, which is basically your English test. I mean, how much you've got is what your university would look at. Also, your um, when you go in for a, a visa, they also look at it, like what is your score. Secondly, they would look at your letter that you get from the university, whether it is... Uh, um, whether it's a proper letter and you've really got through or whether you know because nowadays a lot of people fake a university letter in order to go abroad and just to chill because basically they'll just say I'm going for studies but they actually don't end up going for studies so they check that then you have to give your biometrics then they do a TB test for you then of course the I think the most important and the main reason that they look at is your bank statement whether you have the money to pay 
your uni fees and whether you have the money to live a you know a normal life i mean i i'm not quite sure of how many pounds they've mentioned but there's a particular amount of pounds which needs to be there in your bank account so i think if your bank accounts are completely clear and you know if you don't have any you know red alerts or red spots on your passport it is a easy way in. i mean i didn't have any issues like i submitted it within like 12 15 days my visa was processed so it okay. wasn't an issue at all so um what specific type of visa did you get was there any specific type that you have to get or i'm sorry is there any specific type of visa that you have to get it is the student visa okay. yeah so it's termed as a student visa so what happens is basically on your passport they will not put like one year two year three year whatever time you're going for they'll actually put for a month so it's technically just your entry into uk mm -hmm. and then you then they give you a prp which is your residence permit right so then your residence permit will have it written from like you know so and so date till so and so date now my course started in August, so I had my I have my BRP from July 2019 to Feb 2020, which is after your graduation and all of that kind of stuff. And that card, obviously, they do not give you in India. Once you enter there, you need to uh, tell your uh, I mean, report to your university, and then once you report to your university, it will come from the uh, post to you and then you have to collect it from the post they do not send it to where your residence is or where you live so you have to go with your passport and you know like they'll give your brp number which is given to you earlier so you've got to take all of that then you go to the post office and then from there they will give you the brp and you need to hold the brp if you lose the brp you're done <laughs> so i think it's always... a lot of fine to pay for that right i'd, I'd imagine it'd be several hundred pounds if not a thousand okay, or okay. so yeah yeah, that's what I heard. I heard about thousand pounds for losing your residence permit. So, mm. yeah, I mean, it's basically the equivalent of you like you losing a passport, essentially. Basically. Yeah. Because obviously, um, it's actually quite an, a good point that you made about um, so like with a lot of like the student finance as well in the UK, you actually don't get like your first like first like lump sum until you like register at the uni because the uni essentially has to send like the message to either the home office in your case or like to the student finance company before they send anything to you. And that's like the probably the most important thing is like registering at the uni. Otherwise it's just nothing basically works after that. Correct. So obviously another thing which international students um, worry about is obviously just like making friends at maybe like the halls and wherever you're staying basically. Um, how easy was it for you to make friends like on your course or at like your accommodation? Well, um, so basically I would say in the university it was not very difficult because um, apart from few nationalities or few people, the others were very friendly and you know they would want to know people who come from another country, they would want to talk to you, they wouldn't want to know about your whereabouts, they want to know you know different things. So um, it was actually very easy to be friends with people. And there were, and in my class, there were a lot of Indians as well. So, you know, people who basically, who you would consider as your brother, sister, because you, you know, you've been coming from the same country. And when you're in another country, you actually look for people from your same country, right? And it so happened that I bumped into a junior of mine from school 
in my class and ended up like not recognizing her but thinking it was her until the time we actually you know confronted each other and she was like oh is that you and then I was like yeah is that you so um, that is how it happened and then I think then both of us together ended up making other friends and then we were like a big group of and in the and in my accommodation again, I had two of my classmates who were staying in the same accommodation as me as well, which was again a coincidence which we did not know about. And plus, I had two students. One of them is my cousin, and one was another guy from Goa itself, who was a very good family friend in fact. So all three of us were also staying in the same um, uh, accommodation. So it was very easy to you know get along, make friends, and I was staying staying in accommodation which was very central which was chapter accommodation in King's Cross itself. Like King's Cross is supposed to be the biggest station, right? So it was right there. So I really enjoyed staying there. I mean, I had no, I mean, it, although it was very expensive, like around that area, but I think like if you're coming for one year, I mean, might as well enjoy that, right? Rather than staying somewhere else. Because anyway, you spend that much on your Uber or like your whatever, like buses and your undergrounds and stuff. So I, I think it ends up being the same thing because you're like, just walk around everywhere. Yeah, King's Cross is such a vibe. I actually love King's Cross, like around the station and stuff. It is a big vibe. Like all the big tech companies are there and stuff, and they have like amazing offices and like loads of places to That's eat true. and stuff. It is it's a big vibe up in King's Cross? I love it. Yeah, till the British Library, I guess. Like till there, mm. I mean, that whole area is very um, what do you say? Like very happening. In yeah, because yeah. basically, it goes all the way from if you go for like Camden. And then all the way to like King's Cross, it's all within like it's all within walking distance, basically. I think even Angels is LinkedIn is pretty nice. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah Angels very hipster. Angels very cool. And then I might like I could actually walk to my uni from like King's Cross because it was like twenty minutes of walking and see about okay if it there wasn't traffic then it was like six minutes by bus. If there was traffic then it could even go up to like thirty minutes by bus. But I prefer the bus because, you know, like, you can see around, it's not crowded, you don't have to walk a lot, it was like right there. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing, nobody takes the bus in central London because just no, nobody takes the bus re- realistically. Everybody takes the tube or they walk because everything's like within, yeah. within walking distance in central London. Like No, like, but uh, I think in, in King's Cross, there were, I mean, at least from there, I mean, the buses used to go full. Like mm-hmm. from there to Liverpool Street, because a friend of mine used to stay in Liverpool Street, so I used to take the bus all the time there. So it's been really good. Then I used to go to whatever, like Oxford Circus and you know, all those places also. The bus, because you know, although it took longer, at least it wasn't crowded. Like in the bus and the trains used to really be very claustrophobic. Yeah, it's a big thing. Like the trains can be like, especially in rush hour, the underground is, is so packed. Like it's very hard to explain. It's very hard to explain to someone who's never been on the underground what it's like in rush hour. Um, imagine like a Bombay train, but just like I don't know, less packed than a Bombay train, but still like very, very, very busy. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, although I've never traveled by a Bombay train as well, but still, <laughs> I can imagine yeah. it. So then, another thing, which like if anybody who's known me in like the UK, they always like they always know how much like I hype up Goa quite a bit. And obviously, you live in Goa, you've lived in Goa most of your life. Um, what's like the best places to see in Goa that like not everybody knows about? Well, I would really say I feel that the tourists know more about Goa than what I know because, like, you know, like, firstly, I'm a very homey person, I've not really traveled much about all over Goa, 
but I would say rather than coming and going, you know, to places like beaches and pubs and uh, different clubs and Kalangut and Anjuna and all those places, I think a lot of my farms in Goa as well. Like, you know, in different places in the south, like Netravadi and other places like whatever, like a lot of Kankona and a different place in the south where there are amazing, I mean, you have, you can trek, you can actually see all the uh, greenery around you. You can go like a little bit of mountaineering or over the hills and all of that. So I, I'd say that that is something like a lot of tourists don't know because it is not touristy and not as hyped up. So when people come here, people come here only for booze and beaches. So I feel that is another thing that people can try if you have like an extra day away from, you know, what your actual schedule is. At least you can enjoy the greenery, especially people who live in Delhi and, you know, like other places where there's no greenery at all when you're just landlocked, basically. It becomes very difficult and you feel nicer when you come out and, you know, you're seeing so much of greenery around you and so much of water around you. Yeah, yeah especially now with the rainy season, I think it's a bit easier. It's, it's like, would you recommend coming, if you're going for the greenery, is it like all year round or just, do you think there's better times to go? Greenery is, greenery is all, all year round. It's just the weather that changes. It's either like hot or it's like, I wouldn't say cold, but it's hot. It's either warm or it is uh, rainy. That's it. There's no cold in the picture. Yeah, it's never cold in Goa. That just doesn't really yeah. exist. Never really <laughs> exists. That's that's actually another thing. What was it like um, experiencing the cold in London during winter and stuff? Well, I love cold. And every time we've gone for a holiday, and I mean, a lot of places where we've gone in the cold itself, like during uh, in Swiss in Switzerland, we went when it was like their winter. Then I've gone to Russia when the temperature was like much worse than what London is, like minus four, minus five. I went to Istanbul, which was like really, really bad as well. So I feel we not being able to experience a climate, which is like that, it really felt nice. Although the worst part was that it turned dark at 3, 3.30, which was like really, really, you know, depressing and boring when you didn't have anything to do and just look outside and you see that, okay, it's like really dark. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I enjoy the cold. I mean, I would really enjoy the cold rather than enjoying like a hot climate yeah that that is one depressing thing is that it, it does get dark at four o'clock and that is one thing which people are like if you've never been to london you don't really experience but then the flip side of that which like in the summer it only gets dark at eight nine ten o'clock and that uh, those are amazing nights because you can just go out and do so much more during the day and like whenever you're coming back if you like i had a barbecue the other day at a friend's house be basically sitting out there to like nine ten o'clock and it was like quite bright outside and it's just a completely different vibe than like the miserable days in winter that's true i agree um so then to finish kind of on a funny note um what would you consider some of like the best memories you had um in your short time at in london i mean well, I think the best memories would have actually waited for the summer to start because we had a lot of plans, which all went for a toss, technically, like roaming around, going to like District Lake and, you know, like Scotland and doing our own small, small trips to like different places. But that didn't really happen. But I think otherwise, you know, having that independent life, being away from home, doing whatever you wanted to do for nobody to like judge you or like, you know, nobody to like you know question you and especially moms and dads being like well, where you come back home and things like that so I think that was one of the most loveliest experiences that I've had because like I've always been 
you know, with parents, been in a home with like, you know, a brother, mom, dad, mates, and you know, everything, that you've never had that independency to be by yourself. And I think like the fun moments were all the fun moments actually that we had with like all my classmates in the sense the friends that you were in drinking up till like 3 3 34 at night and you know like taking carrying someone home because like from a pub because that person's like completely drunk it's things which you would not do here because what you do here is call your driver call your car make the person sit in it and go but there it was completely solely your responsibility so i think even holding those responsibilities and taking the responsibility on your shoulder was also considered like a fun moment because you know that's also something that you learn from like taking in a bus, like ordering an Uber. If you don't get an Uber, then just, you know, like just take the train and then, you know, gather a group and then go back home. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was like one of the few experiences that we had. You also then have like the rough kind of moment when you're in the Uber and you're really hoping the person doesn't throw up in the Uber because then you have to pay like 80 pounds. And that's yeah. that's always like <laughs> the rough thing. You're like always just hoping, just don't throw up, just don't throw up, just don't throw up. And yeah. then sometimes you get lucky and they don't do it. Other times you can get really unlucky and they just do it in the thing. In the and you just at that point, then you just kind of have to suck it up and pay the eighty pounds on top of the Uber. I agree. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, and on that bombshell, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Shoot the Shop podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Ashani for coming on today's episode, and I'll have her social media pages in the description below. If you're listening on the podcast channels, just download and follow our page and leave us a review as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment and subscribe, help the channel grow. Um, the thumbnail is made by Paddy. So I'll also have his, I'll drop his like IG handle up on the screen and in the description below. Um, this has been your host, Marcy Wanta and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.